Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. We're here tonight, brothers and sisters, to cry out for the child. And not only to cry out for the child, but to offer love, hope, and encouragement to people that have actually had abortions and are so bound in guilt and shame. But we want them to know that they can be healed, delivered, and set free, and that they are loved by Jesus Christ. We truly have a heart for the unborn child, especially as women and men of God, as Christians. We need to take a stand and let people know the importance of life because every child matters. No baby is a mistake, even in the situations that they may come to be. God has a purpose and a plan for every life that he created. And today, as I was praying and preparing for this program, it's been a a very emotional time for me because it's dear to my heart. As many as you know, my husband and I actually were blessed to save a precious little boy whose name is Noah from being aborted. And the love we have for him is so amazing. And I get so emotional and I tear up, but it's, it's tears of love and gratitude to God, my father, for allowing us to bring that beautiful little boy's life into this world. And I just encourage anyone out there that's listening to know there are other alternatives and there are over 46 couples in just in the United States alone waiting to adopt a, a baby there. And I just want to encourage you. There are other options and that is why I have all these amazing women on tonight. They're very educated. They're in important programs, and they're going to be sharing with you tonight. And I consider it a privilege and honor to have them all on tonight. I want to share in the poem that God led me in today before the program, and he's really had this burden on my heart for months, and I truly believe he's got more for me to do, and I'm ready to go forward as he calls me for the unborn child. The name of the poem that he gave me today was titled, I Am the Unborn, a Child, Not a Choice. I didn't ask to be in your womb. I was chosen as part of God's plan, knitted together by his very hand. See, Mommy, he knows the unborn before they are placed in the womb. I am a life he chose to grow and bloom not one for you to choose to remove. I can hear and feel you. I am a part of you. Don't you get excited thinking I may have your eyes or my daddy's hands, your beautiful smile or my daddy's grin. Please don't see me as a mistake. See me as a gift sent with love from above and grace. I ask mommy that you let me live so you can see my sweet little face I long to feel your warm embrace. I am not a, I am a child, not a choice. As soon as God placed me in your womb, my life began. Again, I say, Mommy, it is not yours to end. Daddy God said, Thou shalt not kill. Only he has the control over life and death. It's not yours to take into your own hands, shedding innocent blood. Mommy, I was sent for you to love, not kill. I beg of you, Mommy, don't take that pill. So remember, Mommy, I am the unborn going inside of you each day. God entrusted me to you to love me, to keep me safe, to bring you joy when you see my precious face. Please, Mommy, please, I know you know it's not right to end my life. So I beg of you, Mommy, choose life. Don't abort me. Do what is right. 
Even if you don't want me, there are others that do. You could choose to let someone adopt me, still giving me life. It would be okay with me, Mommy. I just want to live. Please, Mommy, please let the journey of life for me to begin. Hallelujah. And that touched my heart so much, thinking about the onborn children that don't have a voice. And I also think of these young women, many that are alone and don't have nobody to turn to. And that's why I feel like programs like this are so important tonight. And before I turn things over to Sister Pearl, I want to share a prayer as well that the Lord has put upon my heart. And it is a prayer about abortion. Lord, you are the creator of all things. You breathe life into every human being before they leave the womb. Lord, we don't know how to stop something this horrible on our own. It is devastating that abortion has weaved its way into many people's minds as an acceptable choice. Please stop the enemy's lies from seeping into the minds of the confused. Take away the voice of the wicked, Father God. Help us to have compassion on the women who made or were forced to make this horrifying choice and are now suffering the consequences. Surround them, Father, with your love and remind them that your sacrifice covers even this and those who belong to you are free in Christ from the guilt of every sin. Break the chain of guilt in those who have repented before you. Revive them to live their life knowing true joy in you. Father, may their changed life speak volumes about the amazing power of your forgiveness and love. Help us to remember the unborn who are unwanted and tossed aside every day. Help us to be a light in a world of darkness. Give us opportunities to love people and present the truth of your word. Use us to offer alternative options to women in desperate situations. Jesus, you have the power to change hearts. We pray for the women considering this option. Help them to see there is another way. We pray for our government to change laws and close the doors of abortion clinics. We pray for a renewal of family and faith in the world, Father God. And may the church come alongside single parents and families in need, helping to raise these children for Christ. In your almighty name, Jesus, by which all things are possible. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I welcome my beautiful sister in Christ on now, Sister Pearl Corbin, to come in and to just let the spirit lead and to welcome her guest on I love you my sister God bless you I love you too Evangelist Montel and I just want to thank you so very much for this wonderful opportunity I count it indeed a privilege to be able to talk anytime about things that pertain to the kingdom of God uh, and especially this topic in the time that you and I are living in Now, I'm going to really be speaking from my heart uh, tonight because I just realized that all of the uh, different programs that I had on the Word and all of my different um, writings that I've written about this topic, they're not accessible to me tonight. But that's okay because I've got it inside of me, but thank God. So I want to share with everybody, and and I'm so glad that we're on Reaching Out Radio tonight because we're not only speaking to people that are listening throughout the United States of America and Canada, but we're also ministering to those that would be um, all the listeners 
that we have in Europe and Africa, Australia, South America, in the Caribbean. Uh, we just want to bless you. And in Asia, we know that we have many, many people listening to the broadcast there. And so a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight, it's going to sound like we're specifically talking about America, but I want you to know that everything that we say about this topic of abortion relates to where you are in your nation as well. And so I want to start out just by understanding what is abortion, because we don't want to take for granted. Some people might have a different idea about what abortion is. I'm just going to take the dictionary's definition and explain that abortion is the deliberate, meaning the willful termination of a human pregnancy, most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. And we know that that was what was typically known as abortion. However, due to the governor of New York State in January, on January 22nd, 2019, abortion, at least in New York and now maybe a few other states across this particular country, it's allowed for the whole nine months of gestation. So that's what abortion means. It means that you terminate the life of a baby. And it's very important for us to understand that because some people, especially uh, before, they would think about abortion as being just a clump of cells and just a blob in somebody's womb. But no, it is very clear that abortion is to terminate a baby that is developing in the womb of his or her mother. So it's very, very clear. What you're doing is ending a baby's life that's developing in the womb. And it's very important to understand that this is how you and I got here. All of us were babies. If you can hear my voice, at one time or the other, you were that little baby developing in your mom's womb. And so we've all been there. Amen. I want you to hear about what God has to say about abortion, because a lot of times, you know, we talk about this topic and they'll say, well, this is my opinion, or this is the next person's opinion, or this is this person's opinion. But at the end of the day, my opinion is not really that uh, much important. Neither is yours when it comes to abortion. What is important is what God has to say about taking of human life, because he's the one who created life. I can't create life, and no one else can create life. Only God, our Heavenly Father. He says in Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, uh, and this is the Psalmist David speaking about God. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And wasn't that a very beautiful poem that our evangelist Montel read to us, talking 
as that baby would be speaking to his or her mother. So precious. The Lord also said to the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, God says, before I formed you, even before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So I can say to anybody that I meet, before your mother and your father even met and got together, God already knew you. That's how intimately he knows you. It is so very precious, and you are so very precious in God's sight. Well, what does God have to say about the shedding of innocent blood? We can find this in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. I want to repeat that again. Hands that shed innocent blood. Any baby developing in his mother's womb or her mother's womb is completely innocent. And so hands that shed that blood of that innocent child, God says, I hate that. He says, a heart that devises wicked schemes. An abortion is a wicked scheme to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God says, these are all the six things that I hate. And so it's very, very clear about God's uh, view of abortion. It is something that he detests. It is something that he abhors. And so many times people within even the church are very, very quiet and very, very silent. It's almost like abortion has become taboo for us to talk about in church circles. And that's really unfortunate. That's sad. Why? Because there are people even in our churches that have not been taught properly, uh, and they think it's okay because they're just going by what they hear in the world. And unless pastors begin to teach and, and, and preach the truth about abortion, people will go astray and do the wrong thing. I'm going to, to read to you a very important verse that I love to share. It actually, it's two verses from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? I mean, if we're going to be honest, in 2020, none of us can say, no man, no woman can say to God that we had no idea about abortion taking place, our world. We are knowledgeable about it. We're so knowledgeable about this particular topic that it is one of the big topics of contention, even right now in the United States of America, where you have 
one-sided people pushing for the continuance and the proliferation of the ability to kill uh, a baby developing in his mother's womb even through all nine months. And then you have another side that's saying, no, we cannot do this atrocity. This is evil in the sight of God. It is so front and center right now in the United States. And we know, whether we like it or not, the United States of America is a key nation for the entire world. And so what we decide here has a great influence around the globe. It's very, very important. And so I want to also come back and piggyback on what Evangelist Montel said. Tonight is not a night to bring condemnation because we know that our God is a merciful God. God is a God who forgives of all sin. If you're listening to this radio broadcast and you've been involved uh, in abortion, whether you've had an abortion, if you've had two abortions or more, maybe you've had 10 abortions, it doesn't really matter. Or maybe you were a man, you are a man and you've been involved because you encouraged your fiancé or your girlfriend or uh, your wife or somebody that you're close to to go ahead and have an abortion and now you are... You're, you're regretful of that. God can forgive you, and he is so wanting to forgive you. So tonight is not about condemnation. Tonight is about clarity. God say about abortion, what is abortion, and what should we as God's people do about this topic? What should we do about abortion? That's why we're here tonight. And so I am so grateful God, I want to give you a little bit of statistics, and then I'm going to welcome two very important and honored guests. I want to welcome them because they're going to help me to talk about this whole issue of abortion and uh, how that's affecting us and what we can do. Just let me give you a little bit of statistics real, real fast. The most recent stats that I have on abortion uh, is that in 2017, 77,810 abortions uh, were done, at least is what I have for the United States. And abortions, 31% of them, of the women that had abortions, they had three or more. 7% of the women that had abortions, they had five or more. And there's a great percentage, sad to say, of those abortions that took place are happening among people that claim to be Christian, whether they go to Catholic churches or they go to Protestant churches. All right. So we're talking about a a big problem here, a real, real big problem. And then we're talking about millions of abortions going around on a global level. So it's a huge problem, and I'm going to ask my guests, if you have better stats than this, please feel free to just share them in your time. So the first person I'm going to introduce tonight is Sister Lisa Richardson. We're so thrilled to have her to come and be with us. She is the director for Love Life and in New York City. She's the city director for Love Life and their whole church outreach. But she's not just that. She is a person that also is um, someone that will go and share the gospel So a sidewalk counselor also to women that will be there looking to see how they can abort their baby. And Sister Lisa will be with her team and trying to 
share the love of Jesus with them, uh, let them know that there's alternatives, there's a much better way than going and, and brutally ending the, the life of that innocent little boy or little girl. And so she is somebody that is spearheading the work for Love Life in New York City, and we're so very privileged to have her come and speak to us tonight. So Sister Lisa, it's your time. God bless you. We appreciate you, and we welcome you for what you're going to share tonight. God bless you. Thank you so much, Sister Pearl, for this opportunity, and Sister Montel. It's just truly an honor um, to be a part of this conversation with Sisters in Christ. Um, like you said, I can't think of any more important issue for us to be discussing in this time. Abortion is the number one moral issue in our day. We're talking about um, the, the, the greatest numbers that we can tell, Sister Pearl, since 1980, abortion has killed 1.5 billion people. 1.5. That is more than people that have died in the Holocaust. That's more than African Americans that have died through the atrocity of American slavery. 1.5 billion. It is the greatest moral issue of our day. And tragically, like you have said, like Sister Montel has said, the church has been largely silent. Um, I also just wanted to share some additional thoughts from the word that God has recently put on my heart again for me to meditate on about, about the baby in the womb, about the seriousness of the sanctity of life. And, you know, Sister Pearl and, and Sister Montel and Sister Tammy, I've been a Christian for about 23 years, been reading the word. Um, I, myself, my life has been impacted by abortion on both sides of the issue. I'll get into my story in a little bit. But one thing that is very clear to me as I've read through the word, particularly the Old Testament, you think about people like Isaac and Jacob and Esau, twins. You think about Samson. You think about the prophet Jeremiah that you just talked about, Sister Pearl. You think about the psalmist David. You think about John the Baptist. And it is clear that God knew these men. It is clear that God knew their character, God knew their calling, God had a, a clear purpose upon their life before they were placed in their mother's womb, before they even came into the world. And then, of course, there is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who could have come into this world as a fully grown man, but he chose to come into the world as a helpless baby through his mother Mary's womb. It's really very profound when you stop to think about it. And yet it grieves me, as I know it grieves all of my sisters, to hear Christians now say, um, this is a conversation I was just having with some pastors this past Saturday, that the Bible doesn't make it clear on, on the issue of abortion. The Bible doesn't really speak to it. The Bible speaks to it very clearly, very clearly. It is very, very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ himself was spoken about before the father placed him in his mother's womb. And it behooves us to discuss this issue, just like you said, Sister Pearl, some recent statistics that I've been made aware of, um, as high as 56% of women that are having abortions identify themselves as some type of believer, like you said, either Catholic or Protestant, but they consider themselves to be a person of faith. Just the other day, last Thursday, I was at Planned Parenthood in Manhattan ministering, and there was a young woman that came out. She was there for contraception, she told us, but she was having a conversation with me and some of my sidewalk counselors about the issue of sexual immorality and was saying that she basically didn't really have an issue with it. And we went on to just tell her what the word of God clearly says about 
about our bodies not being our own, about about sexual purity, the importance of sexual purity and holiness before God, and how the majority of women that are aborting are choosing to do so because they are tragically in sexually immoral relationships, and then they're using abortion as a means to contraception. And it just became clear to me in a fresh way. And literally, you know, she said to me at one point, it's important for us to hear what you think because I think something different and you might think something different. And just like you said, Sister Pearl, it's not about my opinion or about your opinion. The word of God is the word of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. God himself is the God of all truth. He made it clear that we are to be set apart by his word. Jesus said that God's word alone is true. He said it this way, let God be true, let every man be a liar. That's what the word of God says. And so it is, it is up to us to simply agree with the word of God, that we would humble ourselves and we would agree with what God says on the, on the issue of sanctity of life, on the atrocity of abortion, on the beauty and the value of every human soul and how they are, they are entitled to that life that God himself has given. It's not up to any person to take that life. God is the author of life. He is the finisher of life. And he, he's looking for his people to defend life. He makes it really clear in Proverbs 31, verse 8, that it is up to us, those of us that are filled with his spirit, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And so, again, I just truly thank you for this opportunity to be just one more voice crying out for those who cannot speak for themselves. As Sister Pearl has said, my name is Lisa Richardson Washington. I am the New York City Director of Love Life. And the ministry of love life is to um, see God create a culture of love and life that will result in an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. We are praying for God to create such a culture shift that would result in women and men running to the local church rather than local abortion mills. You know, we thank God for all of the pro-life legislation. Sister Pearl, I know that you and Sister Montel and Sister Tammy, we thank God for all of the pro-life legislation that has been happening in the recent years for the pre-born. It's been more than I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. But I know that God is looking for his church to lead the charge. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth, that we are to be the light of the world, that we are to be a city that's set high upon a hill. And it is up to the church of Jesus Christ to shape the culture the government and policies and laws which should follow suit, but it should be up to us as thermostats. We should be setting the pace on this conversation about the sanctity of life and abortion. And so this is, um, this is, it's up to us. And I just thank God for the ministry that I've been able to be a part of, that it's beginning to pray and cry out to God to fast. And to see God change this culture, because it must be a culture shift, a heart change, a mind change, an attitude change, to see God begin to make abortion unthinkable in the United States. Um, I'm happy to say that we are currently in four different cities, in Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, and New York City, which is where, again, I'm based. And then we have two brand new initiatives, one called Love Life Live, and that's an online prayer walk available on Facebook or YouTube that happens every single Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. that gives viewers an introduction to the ministry and an opportunity to pray with pastors and leaders and brothers and sisters with the burden at various abortion mills in different cities around this country in real time. You can actually see what is happening at, ab at abortion mills in real time. And just a few weeks ago, 
I had the privilege of watching a woman drive up to an abortion mill down in Greensboro, South Carolina, and she encountered the church there praying and sharing the hope of Jesus Christ, sharing with her practical resources, offering her support. And down in Greensboro, it's so convenient that there is a, a mobile unit directly across the street from this particular abortion mill. And so once the church went into effect ministering and offering this mom hope, God did a work in her heart, and she, she canceled her abortion appointment, and she went across the street, and she was able to get on that mobile unit. She was able to see an ultrasound of her baby in the womb. She was able to get prayer. She was able to get support. She was able to, to get set up with practical resources. And, and it, was, it was amazing to see literally a woman turning from life to death in the moment of time, and that's because the church was standing there on the front lines being a witness. This is how important it is for the church to be on the front lines. Um, another uh, initiative that we're really excited about is called Love Life America, and that is where we are asking God to raise up sidewalk missionaries as full-time workers at their al local abortion mills also around the country to be a Christian witness. These are women and men that get trained on how to graciously engage moms and dads to encourage them to choose life offer them practical support and resources, and most important, offer them the gospel, because this, at its core, is a moral issue. We have, we have let the devil lie to us. We have, we have let the world hijack the subject. We have allowed the world to tell us that this is now a political issue. This is not about Democrats. It's not about Republicans at its core. This is a moral issue. This is a sin issue. And the solution to all sin is the same as it's always been. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are asking God to begin to raise up a Christian witness at the darkest places in all of our country. Sister Pearl, to my knowledge, there are about 700 abortion mills around this country, and there are only about 30% of, um, of these abortion mills there are Christian witness. So that means that every day women and men are showing up at about 500 different places in this country to murder their children without knowing that there is help, that there, is our, that, that, that there are alternative, alternatives, excuse me, and there is help in Jesus Christ. For far too long, we have only seen mission fields as ministry in third world countries. But I do believe, again, that the abortion mills are now our greatest mission fields. They are unique in that we know for sure where broken and hurting women and men are coming and where people are scheduled to die and are dying at specific times during the day, in most instances, six days a week. We are believing for God to raise up 300 missionaries by November 2021, and that is significant because next year, November 2021, is the 100th anniversary of the meeting where Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, she was in eugenicist, she was in, at its core a, a white supremacist that believed in seeing the black population depopulate through sterilization and through abortion. Next November 2021 will mark the meeting that she had at the Plaza Hotel in New York City that was the foundational meeting that launched Planned Parenthood. 
And so we are asking God to raise up mighty men and mighty women, modern-day Gideon's 300 army that will again be at the darkest places in all of our country, and they are calling out to men and women, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, letting them know that there is hope, that there is resources, that there is support through his local church. Um, I'm also happy to just tell you there are other ways that we are seeking to reach out to men and women that are impacted by abortion. We have something called prayer campaigns, and these prayer campaigns go on for nine months, which, of course, correlates with the woman's pregnancy. We prayer walk every Saturday from 9 until about 11 a.m., and we prayer walk about six blocks in Manhattan to Planned Parenthood Manhattan, which is the largest Planned Parenthood in the United States. They've been doing about 11,000 abortions there a year, which represent 1% of this nation's abortions. And we are spending all of our time and all of our energy there because we see this as the head of the snake. We see this as the modern-day Goliath. We do believe that if God closes down this Planned Parenthood, it will be like a domino effect um, and other Planned Parenthoods in this country would subsequently begin to close. And so we have these prayer walks where we're crying out to God. We see abortion as a deeply spiritual issue. You know, Jesus made it clear that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And this has been an issue where there have been principalities and powers and, and incredible rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness that have governed over this nation for this area for more than 47 years since Roe versus Wade was legalized in this country. And we recognize that it can only, the battle can only be won first, but by prayer and by fasting, like Jesus told his disciples in Mark 9:29. this kind can only come out, but by prayer and fasting. So we give people an opportunity to prayer walk with us on Saturdays from February through November for our nine month prayer campaigns. We also have an aspect of our ministry called Life Discipleship, where we, we're asking for seasoned Christians, men and women, to agree to befriend a mom or a dad that chooses life at these abortion centers and to begin to do life with them, to begin to encourage them in the ways of God and the things of God, to begin to encourage them practically to, to take care of themselves during that pregnancy, agree to help this, these moms and dads have baby showers through their local church, help them to set up a baby registry, encourage them to go to their doctor, take their prenatal vitamins. You know, it's both spiritual and it is practical. So we, have, um, we, are, we, are, we are asking for the body of Christ to prayerfully consider to be a life disciple and a mentor to these moms and dads that are choosing life. We also, again, have um, sidewalk missionaries where people, again, can seek to get involved on a full-time basis being stationed at these abortion mills at least four days a week for several hours a day, literally standing between the living and the dead and watching moms choose life and babies be saved. Then we also have a form of our ministry, which Tammy will share more about called Restored Life. And this is for any man or woman that is post-abortive. We know that abortion is an atrocious act indeed, but it is not the unforgivable sin. I am a post-abortive woman. I aborted when I was four and a half months pregnant as a teenage girl. It left me an incredible trauma, guilt, shame, self-loathing, condemnation, depression. Plus, I was physically sick from my abortion for about 12 years, and I had no idea why I was sick until I got born, until I became born again, and God began to reveal to me that I was still ill, and the issue of why I was ill was from my abortion. 
that began the beginning of God bringing incredible healing and incredible restoration to my life through prayer, through Bible study. And this, this ministry is vital. Again, we're talking about 54 to 56% of women that are having abortions that are sitting in our churches or at least identify themselves to be women of faith. We want them to know that the answer, again, is in Jesus Christ. If there's genuine repentance, there is genuine forgiveness, there is healing, there is restoration for anybody that is post-abortive. And we will set a man or a woman up with a counselor to be counseled one-on-one or to engage in a, in a Bible study where you can talk with other brothers and sisters who are also recovering from abortion, and you can hear one another's stories and, and glean strength and encouragement from one another's stories. And again, Tammy will share more even about Restored Life and the ministry that she's involved with, but that's also something that we offer. And then um, we also encourage Christian couples to adopt. Like I heard my sister Montel say, we currently recognize that there is a tremendous need for children that are in the foster care system. And just like all of us have been adopted into God's family, we encourage the body of Christ to please consider to open up your homes, expand your family. Or if you are not able at this current time to have natural children, please prayerfully consider taking in one of these children. Who better than the body of Christ? Who better than Christians that are filled with the spirit of God, the love of God, the compassion of God? to open up their homes and to introduce these broken children to the love of the Heavenly Father. We are able to connect families with existing ministries in place that are participating in foster care and adoption and help train the church to support those who are fostering and adopting. We are thankful for every kind of adoption, but again, we have chosen to put our focus and our time and our attention on the children and foster care system because it is the greatest area of need. And then lastly, we um, ask people to please prayerfully consider donating to us. We have a, a portion of our ministry called Cultural Pioneers where you can begin to donate to our ministry and see Love Life be opened up in your city so we can continue to take more ground, that we can continue to take more territory in major cities, but in remote cities all around this country. And then lastly, um, this is my charge to any pastor or ministry leader that is listening tonight. We want to see the house of God become houses of refuge, safe places for families that are faced with unwanted pregnancies to turn to where they can again find help and practical resources. So long the church has had a bad reputation. And in some instances, I do understand why. In some instances, we haven't been as loving. We haven't been as compassionate. We have condemned more than we have. We have, we have extended our arms to be open to those that have gone through abortion. We haven't shown that sympathy or that empathy. But this is our time to, to change our reputation and to show the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, and to, and to let people know again that Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. We're not going to make any excuses about sexual sin. We're going to talk about those things in a loving way, in a gracious way. But we want people to know that there is help in the local church. So if you, again, are a pastor or a ministry leader out there, please prayerfully consider becoming a house of refuge. And if you want any additional information on anything that I shared, I know I shared many aspects of our ministry, you can feel free to contact me directly, my, my email address is lisa at lovelife.org, or you can go to our website at lovelife.org for more information. 
But Sister Pearl, these are these are just some of the things that Love Life is doing to get involved in the fight for the preborn. Wow. What a tremendous time of sharing. We're going to definitely have you to come back, Sister Lisa, hopefully even within this broadcast. Um, so wonderful, so good, so powerful. So we, mm-hmm. we understand that the church can do something. The church does not have to be silent. Uh, this is not a taboo subject. This is something that needs to be talked about. It needs to be uh, shared. We need to be proactive. It is, it is time now. It is high time that the church get, gets involved. And I really want those of you that were praying and were uh, listening so attentively to what Lisa was saying, think about where you are. Think about your state. If you have nothing going on, to address this problem of, of abortion, which is happening where you are, then I want you to contact Love Life. Not only did Lisa give you the, um, she gave you her personal email, lisa at lovelife.org. She told you about the ministry uh, web, lovelife.org, but it's also on this Facebook post. We've already had it there. When you click on to tonight's program, you will see, uh, the love life information. Now the next, so thank you so much, Lisa. It was tremendous, and we're going to talk a little bit again, hopefully uh, near the end of this program. We're going to bring you back. Now I'd like to introduce Tammy O'Connor. Now Tammy just spent the weekend with me in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, it was wonderful to have her. Uh, she came on Thursday, and she just left yesterday in the morning. And, boy, did we have a whirlwind time. We tried to to put a demand on the anointing that God has given her uh, for this ministry of, of reaching out to people that have been affected by abortion. Uh, so she is the 40 Days for Life. And I'm going to let you, Tammy, talk about 40 Days for Life. I'm also a leader for 40 Days for Life, but I didn't talk about it yet. So you can do that for me. She leads the 40 Days for Life campaign in Glendale, Arizona. She's also been involved with 40 Days for Life previous to that for six years in Memphis, Tennessee. She also is uh, someone who does sidewalk counseling, so she's trained and certified in that. And she used to be a client advocate when they had the mobile unit for the ultrasound so that people can see what is going on inside of that wonderful womb that God created. So we're so thrilled to have you on board here tonight at Reaching Out Radio and this special broadcast, Tammy. So thank you. Take it away. It's your time now. All right. Thank you so much, Pearl, for having me on to share my heart about this issue. And, wow, Sister Lisa, thank you. Thank you for that powerful uh, testimony. You have such passion. and. And I appreciate that so much. Uh, Like Pearl said, I am the 40 Days for Life campaign leader in Glendale, Arizona. And it's a very important cause to me uh, because I understand the fear and the lies, uh, the deception, the ignorance, and the selfishness uh, that drive women into the abortion clinic because abortion is part of my story I grew up in the Catholic Church, and so I knew about Jesus. My mom had me at service every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation, and I knew a little bit of God's Word. 
but he wasn't the savior of my life. Uh, so when I left home and left the church, I went out into the world, which meant I started living in sin. And that sin led to poor choices, which led to abortion. And I remember um, after the last one, just the regret was immediate. And for the first time in my life, I felt a real danger of hell because that's what I deserved. Um, what else was for me? I did something so horrendous, something so against God, and had such conviction. I felt that's what I deserved. And I went through such a very dark time in my life, such a depression and um, the darkness and the sadness. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to recover from that. And I just cried out to God and kept crying out to him in prayer to please, please forgive me. And it was during that dark time that he reached out to me and he showed me that this is why his son had to die on that cross was for me because I couldn't be a good enough person in my own strength. I couldn't be that perfect person that I was trying to be. I kept falling short and he became real to me at that time. He became my savior. He didn't die for those people 2000 years ago. And he didn't die for all those other sinners out there. He died for me because of my sin. And uh, that's when he was real and became my Savior. And I was so excited. I just had such an incredible love for him and uh, wanted to give my life to him. And I told everybody about Jesus. I became very, found a good Bible-believing church, and I was baptized and was sharing Jesus with everybody I could come come across. and my husband was saved. He was a non-believer. He was saved and was baptized in my family. That's a whole other testimony of itself. But God just did such a work in my life, um, and I wanted to share him. And so I became active in my church, um, going on international mission trips, helping with Sunday school, doing local missions, everything I could do. But God kept pressing on my heart about this pro-life movement, about doing something about abortion, about giving back in the area where I fell, but I had no idea what to do. Uh, That's something common I hear from a lot of people. They don't know what to do if they're just starting out. So I started uh, helping with fundraisers at the local crisis pregnancy center, and that was good, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for because I wanted to fight against abortion. Because I remember in my thought process and making the decision to, to do that, um, I thought that if it was so bad, it would be illegal. So I wasn't breaking any laws. And then to learn afterwards that it was so bad and it should be illegal. And so that was kind of in the back of my mind, that thought process that I had. And I'll never forget the day my Sunday school t- teacher and mentor gave me a flyer for 40 Days for Life, inviting me to pray outside of Planned Parenthood in Memphis, Tennessee. And I thought, wow, that's something I can do. I can go out to pray. I love to pray to God. No one would know what I was doing out there. It was very easy. And so I went out, and I went out on a Friday, which was abortion day for them. And as a post-abortive woman, being out there and just knowing what those girls were going to go through, and how that was going to impact their lives um, just really broke my heart. I was crying out to God in prayer on my knees and crying and bawling. So he showed me two things on the sidewalk that day. He showed me that I had a calling 
to fight against abortion, to just really actively fight against it. But I also needed more healing to do that. So I did find uh, my healing through Healing Hearts Ministries International. I went through their training, and so now I counsel post-abortion women as well. Then I went on into sidewalk counseling. I really had a heart to, to get these women back, to not let them go through this and um, share my heart with them. I started working on the mobile ultrasound unit, which is just such a wonderful resource. Eighty percent of women change their minds when they see a real ultrasound, not one that the abortion mill does where they can kind of shape things around and just uh, make things look fuzzy, but a real-life affirming ultrasound where the mom gets to see those hands and those feet and the baby's little face. Um, Eighty percent will choose life. And so that was very powerful. Um, I got to be a part of many, many life decisions because of that. We got to see one of our abortion clinics uh, in Memphis close down. We had three, and one of them closed down, and I got to be a part of that. And so I moved to Arizona about four and a half years ago, and I um, started leading. This is my fourth campaign in Glendale, Arizona. And all of that started with one hour of prayer on the sidewalk. And so that's why 40 Days for Life means so much to me. You never know how God is going to use your prayers. And it's such an easy way to start. Um, A lot of people don't know where they can get involved. It's such a big issue. It runs so deep in our society. We'll start with prayer. So I started participating, though, in 40 Days for Life. That was 10 years ago all this took place when I went to my first prayer vigil. And 40 Days for Life has a powerful testimony in and of itself. If you've seen the movie Unplanned, you've seen part of the story from Abby Johnson's perspective. They had um, in Bryan College Station, Texas, a Planned Parenthood open up, and they formed the Life Coalition Uh, Coalition for Life there, and we're trying to look at ways to counter and be effective in the pro-life movement there. Well, their numbers were increasing, not decreasing, so four members of the Coalition for Life gathered together in a conference room and just started prayer, dedicated themselves to prayer and fasting to see how they can best solve this problem, and they came up with a 40-day prayer vigil model that they would have people in their community at the abortion site praying, and they ran theirs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they would use the 40-day model that we find in the Bible. And over the next few years, other pro-life groups across the country started picking up on that 40-day model. And in 2007, 40 Days for Life was launched all across the nation in their first concerted effort to try to do this all at the same time with 89 cities taking part in it. And then it went global. It went international. Now, Abby Johnson, during the fall 2009 campaign, she was the director of that Planned Parenthood that they were focusing on. And that's when, if you've seen the movie, she saw the ultrasound-guided abortion and she saw that child fighting for its life in the womb and she knew that was a child that wasn't just a clump of cells as they had told her and she walked out and when she walked out who did she turn to she turned to the people who were praying for her to help her get out of that industry 
She resigned from Planned Parenthood, and the rest is history. She became pro-life, and now she's a renowned speaker all across the world. And in 2013, that particular Planned Parenthood in Texas closed, and it is now the headquarters for 40 Days for Life. She speaks everywhere. She's, 40 Days for Life has had over 1 million participants so far. It spans 61 countries across the globe, and this 2020 fall campaign opened in 588 cities all around the world. And I think all of that started with prayer, when four people gathered together in prayer. So it's a powerful story. Prayer makes a difference. So my encouragement to you is if you don't know how or where you fit into this pro-life movement, um, is to look up your local 40 Days for Life vigils. And I'll give you some information about that at the end. Do one hour of a prayer and just see where God um, leads you in that. And I wanted to answer a couple of questions. And I narrowed it down to just two questions. I speak pretty fast that I always get about coming out to the sidewalk. Um, one that I always get is, why go out to the abortion mill to pray? God hears our prayers everywhere. So why do I have to go out there? Can he just hear my prayers at home? And so, yes, he does. God hears our prayers everywhere. But there is something about the ministry of presence, being out at the abortion clinics that God uses. It's like you make a communion with God. We are out there to pray, and here I am, Lord. Use me as you will. And then we see him. Uh, You never know how he's going to use that ministry. Clinic workers that have left the um, abortion clinics report that there's a 25 to 75% no-show rate for their abortion appointments when people are outside on the sidewalk praying. That's powerful, and that is worthy of whatever time you can give, whether it's one hour during the whole campaign or one hour a week or even more if you feel led. We are standing uh, together saying this is wrong. We're bearing witness to the fact that an injustice is happening, something wrong is happening, and that these babies' lives are worth something. Often God will send people to you. You'll be praying and minding your own business, and a pregnant woman will come up who needs help, and you weren't even really intentionally planning on speaking to anyone. Or there might be someone who needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, just a passerby. There might be a woman that comes up. I've had this so often that happen, a woman who's come up and wants to share with you about an abortion that she had 30 years ago. And she's still carrying those deep scars and pain. And you can point her to a healing. You can pray with her. And then you'll see firsthand um, how uh, this decision affects women for the rest of their lives. The statistic um, is 43% of women have had abortions, had at least one abortion. And that's almost half. And these are your sisters. They're your daughters, your grandchildren, your co-workers, your friends, people sitting in church with you. And so these are women who are carrying these wounds and they don't want to talk about it or they don't feel free to talk about it. So it helps if you can try to create an environment um, where they feel safe. You know, oftentimes as pro-life people, we can become passionate about what we do. But whenever we bring that passion or bring conviction about abortion, we need to bring the healing word of Jesus Christ too. So keep that in mind um, when you're speaking with other women. 
No, we had, um, when I flew in, Pearl had mentioned I went to New York to be with her this weekend, and I flew in on Thursday, and she had picked me up, and we were driving around in the car with uh, two other ladies, and her and I were just discussing the the pro-life movement and things that we were going to be doing this weekend. And later that evening, we got a text back from one of the ladies, and she said that um, she wanted to thank us because she would not be here today if there were not people out on the sidewalk that were standing for life, that her mom uh, was considering aborting her, and her mom chose life because people were out there standing. So very powerful um Witness, And there's hundreds of stories like those, but you're not going to see them on the mainstream media. But when you do go out to the sidewalk, you're going to see these stories with your own eyes. You're going to hear these stories with your own ears. People are going to talk to you. God's going to bless that effort. So I really encourage you to consider doing that. If you are a Christian, by all means, be praying at home about this, including the end of abortion in your quiet time prayers. But consider going out to your your local community abortion mill where the sin is actually taking place in your community and taking a stand and praying there and seeing with your own eyes God working. You're going to see spiritual warfare because the enemy is out um, to keep this going. But you're also going to see God move in mighty, mighty ways. And finally, one other question that I get is why this cause? Why go out to the abortion clinic? Why, why the pro-life movement? There are so many issues to tackle in ministries we could be involved with. So why this one? And so my answer to that would be Did we lose Tammy? Sister Pearl, that her phone, her call dropped off. Look for her to come back on, oh and I'll get her back on. Okay. Okay. Um, so please, if you're listening, Tammy, please call right back in, and you can pick up from exactly where you left off. And, and when after Tammy's finished, I'm going to open up some questions for us to tackle. So get ready, Lisa. You and I and Tammy can tackle some of the questions that we usually hear, those of us that are um, involved in pro-life ministry. We hear questions like, what about rape and incest? What about fetal abnormalities? So what about the mother's life, if the mother's life is in danger? So I would love us to tackle those, but I, I would wait for Tammy to get back in. And I just, until she gets back in, let me just share a little bit about what happened while she was here this weekend in New York City. So, uh, yes, we did meet that that, that young lady that uh, happened to be in the car with us just for a few minutes. It was so exciting when I got that text um, to tell me about her story. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Can you imagine that she wouldn't have been, been here today? She wouldn't be alive had not there been people uh, of God outside an abortion facility praying and interceding for the life of her and the life of other little babies and her mother 
saw that as she was approaching to go inside and get that procedure done. But thank God she turned around. And here goes this young woman. She's in at least her late 20s or early 30s. Beautiful young woman with her life in front of her. And how easily we can just dispense of these lives when we act like God, and which we shouldn't be doing that, and uh, take these matters in our own hands. It's not a good thing. So has Tammy returned? Sister Montel? I, I don't see her yet. I don't know if some, I don't even know if she realizes she did drop. Would you like me to message okay. her while you're speaking or Yes. Why don't you please okay. do that? I would appreciate All right. that. All right. So in the meantime, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bring back my beautiful sister Lisa. I'm telling you, I think you had a lot more to share with us and I would love for you to take the opportunity and just go ahead and share. Maybe I, I want to bring up this whole thing about black genocide. That's an issue that I yes. think we can talk about a little bit. Um, Margaret Sanger, yes. as you as you so rightly mentioned, you definitely brought it to the forefront. She was all about getting rid of those people that she thought were inferior to her or to people that, she, you know, like her. And uh, she just wanted to get rid of anybody that she felt was uh, not like her. And certainly she thought yes. she was superior. And that yes. specifically targeted the whole black ethnicity. Anybody that was black, they were, you know, supposed to be feeble-minded and not really worthy of life. Um, also people that uh, I think there were some other ethnicities too. I think Jews were named among them and others. And she just did a horrible thing. And what some people don't realize is that um, Hitler actually saw her as one of his heroes because she used to yes. have all of these ideas of how to get rid of the uh, undesirables that people like Hitler, believe it or not, actually looked up to Margaret Sanger. How people in America can say, I know Hillary Clinton said that she was in awe of Margaret Sanger. How these people can do yes. that, I have no idea. What do you say about this whole black genocide stuff? Uh, Sister Pearl, it's a huge issue, as you and I you know, mm-hmm. both know, and, and you and I being African-American women, Exactly. Um, you know, this this is particularly very, very uh, sensitive to me, especially since I am a post-abortive woman, and mm-hmm. I was the I'm I'm I represent uh, the target of Margaret Sanger. You know, she intentionally went um, after women of color, like me and you, specifically African American women, Black women in this country, and um, no coincidence now that. of all Planned Parenthoods are strategically placed in black and Hispanic communities. Even though Margaret Sanger has been, has passed away, she passed away in 1966, her mission to see the the black population depopulate, Sister Pearl, it is still very much being carried out. So much so, these statistics about what abortion is doing right now to the black community, they take my breath away, and I'm sure that you feel the same. 36% 36% of, of all abortions that are taking place in the United States are happening by women of color, black women, even though the blacks in this country only make up 13% of the population. And, you know, Sister Pearl, I heard, I heard a, an African-American minister break it down even further that made it even much more startling. 
if you back out the number of African-American women that are between 14 and 46, that's childbearing years, that number is somewhere around 5 or 6% of the population in the United States, yet we're having 36% of this nation's abortions. It is startling. There are so many abortions that are happening right now in New York City and in major cities like New York City that there are more black babies being aborted than are being born. And Sister Pearl, I know that you would agree with me. In this day and age where we're having a national and an international conversation now about the sanctity of black lives, it would behoove us, especially those Christians that are, that are black, it would behoove us to lead the charge in this conversation. Obviously, we agree with a statement like Black Lives Matter. Of course, we're black women. We, of course, we know that Black Lives Matter. But we know beyond black lives, God, God said all lives matter. All lives matter. But the black community is strategically being targeted for abortion. And this woman's insidious plan to see the black race depopulate is still being carried out. And, you know, down at Planned Parenthood Manhattan, where my team is primarily stationed, they recently took her name off the building because there is such an outrage now. You know, we're living in the day and age of a cancel culture. We're living in a day and age where, where people are calling for the removal of statues and institutions that, that, are, that, that ascribe to institutional racism. And yet, Sister Pearl, we have an institution that was founded on the premise of seeing less black people come into this world still in existence. Why? Because it's it's a it's a popular sub it's a popular organization. It's it's a it's an organization that's in vogue with our society today and our conversations today. But but we clearly know that the mission and this woman's evil vision is still being carried out, and it is very much a genocide. I wanna I wanna give you these um, additional statistics, Sister Pearl, that someone gave me when I was at Planned Parenthood just a couple of months ago. It says, do these stats bother you? Leading causes of death for the African-Americans per year. Heart disease, 75,000. Cancer, 69,000. Abortion, 259,000. Sister Pearl, these are stats from 2006. Abortion is the leading cause of death in the black community. We have a major issue. Yes, we need to see police reform. I'm all for that. But, Sister Pearl, this is the leading cause of death, abortion, not black people being shot. It's abortion. That is a subject for sure that needs to be addressed. But this is the leading cause of death, and we are primarily silent in the black community while a genocide is happening on our watch. That is so true. And I even was told that since Roe v. Wade, 48%, listen to this, 48% of the black community is missing. Yes. Let that sink in. That's deep. So, has Tammy joined us? Has she joined us? Yes, Sister Pearl, she's back on. Okay, so I'm going to let Sister Tammy finish, and then we're, we're, we're going to pick this back up, so hold on. Sister Lisa, we're definitely going to pick back up. You and I and Tammy, we're going to talk about some other things pertaining to this subject that I think is very, very key. I want to thank both of you ladies. 
because you're doing a tremendous service to the body of Christ. And even if you happen to be listening to this and you don't know the Lord yet, we're going to give you an opportunity to know the Lord. But this is for everybody. This is a key, key thing. I think abortion has touched every cultural group on the planet to some extent. So this is very important that we're discussing it. Welcome back, Tammy. Continue what you were saying. Is it me or I don't hear Tammy? Lisa, are you still on? I'm still here. Okay. Well, I don't hear Montel or Tammy right now. So if that's the case, let's just I'm here, away. Sister Pearl. I'm here, Sister Pearl. I'm her, here, Tammy. Her... Yes. What about Tammy? Um, her, her call dropped again. She's been having connectivity oh, problems, so I'll keep watching okay, for so her. Okay, so you know what? We'll we'll just keep going. Lisa and I will okay. keep going because we're talking about right now um, black genocide, and this is, is something really bad. I also want to talk about incest. I'll tell you why, Sister yes. Lisa. I even had a mm-hmm. bishop tell me, all honesty, that this is a this is a good guy, sincere, but because of the, and let me say this word carefully because some people confuse it. Ignorance only means we don't know something. So I am ignorant of many things. That means I don't know. So I'm going to say this bishop was very ignorant when it came to the subject of abortion because he was against Mm -hmm. abortion, but then he mentioned to me, well, I'll tell you the truth, Sister Pearl, I don't really know what I would do in case my daughter was raped or there was some kind of an incest situation with one of my daughters. So what would you say about the case of rape and incest? I know what I'll say, but I want to hear what you're going to say. About rape and insurance. Sure. Is that an excuse? Is that an excuse for somebody to go ahead and abort their child? No, I do not think so. And I want to say this, Sister Pearl, because you know, in addition to me being a post-abortive woman, I've also I am also a woman that has been through incest, um, wow. and I have received again tremendous healing and restoration and a capacity to forgive um, the perpetrator that wronged me, and so. I, I understand how deeply sensitive, how deeply, um, how deeply touching this this issue is, and so um, I want to just read you something that I came across a couple of months ago that I felt really uh, eloquently summarized this this thought about abortion being okay for issues of rape or incest. It says if a child has been conceived through rape or incest. We must recognize the genuine pain and hardship experienced by the mother who is involuntarily pregnant, perhaps at a very young age. Christians who know of such situations should be ready to give encouragement and support in many ways. But once again, the question must be asked, would we think it right to kill a baby conceived through rape or incest after it has been born? Most people would say certainly not. Such a child does not lose its right to live because of the circumstances of its conception. Therefore, we should not think it right to kill the child before it is born either. 
the rape that occurred was not the fault of the child, and the child should not be put to death because of someone else's crimes. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. This is the word of the Lord. Each one shall be put to death for his or her own sin. That's Deuteronomy 24, verse 16, and the cross-reference verse is Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. So, Sister Pearl, I fully, I fully agree with this statement. It is a deeply, like I said, a deeply sensitive, it is a deeply touchy, it is a deeply um, painful issue. And, again, the issue of rape and incest is a moral issue. It is a sin issue. We want to point people to Christ who is able to heal and to restore and to give back what the devil has stolen, sometimes women's innocence and their purity. But I fully agree with the author of this article that, we would, we, the average person, Sister Pearl, would not say, if they came across a helpless baby, say at a firehouse, right, a, a, people can drop off babies at a firehouse or a police station with no questions asked. And the average person in their, in their right mind would not say that it is okay to take that baby's life because that baby was conceived and raped. If it's not okay to take that baby's life after that baby was born, then the same principle holds true for that baby inside the womb. It is still the same person. Sister Pearl, it is still entitled to the life that God gave. God, again, is the author of life. And, and he allows these really difficult situations and circumstances that are beyond our knowledge, that are beyond our understanding. But again, Jesus does his most beautiful work through the deepest areas of pain. I mean, just look at the cross. Sister Pearl, it was the, the, the most brutal, the most gruesome act in human history. And it brought forth the most beautiful form of life. And so it's, it's the same for however we are conceived into this world. God has a purpose and he has a plan. And, and I know women that are, that are uh, here today as, as byproducts of rape. Sister Pearl, some of the most beautiful women that you ever could come across. I, I've heard testimonies of Christians that have adopted children that were conceived in rape. And these are some of the most beautiful children that are able to learn to praise and worship Jesus at a very early age, how they were conceived. It doesn't take away from their personhood. It doesn't take away from their humanity. That was beyond their control. And they are still allowed the life that God intended for them to have. No life is made by accident, Sister Paul. No life, even when it's conceived in, in, in unthinkable ways. God is still completely in control of that child's life. Well, I couldn't agree anymore. I, I agree 100%. And I've met personally people just as you have met, men and women that were products of rape. And uh, that has nothing to do, their conception has nothing to do with who they are. And, and God is the one that created because God gives life. So if the Lord did yes. not want them to have life, they never had to come to, to be born. You know, we don't have to do I think the main thing that we need to think as human beings is that we need to stop playing God. It is not yes. for me to take a life for any reason, except we're talking about grown people or people that are already alive and it's something like self-defense. But to take a baby's life because you don't, feel it's convenient or you don't like the way the child was conceived, that we, we, we cannot enter into that because as President Obama has said, 
for something completely different. That's above our pay grade. Uh, he said it for another reason, but I can put it in right there. That's above our pay grade. We're not supposed to enter into that choosing who should live, who should not live because of convenience. And then when we talk about uh, needing um, post-abortive healing, may I just interject this? It's not only the mother that aborted her baby that needs the healing. A lot of times it's the father that needs healing because he is um, either, I know there are men that did not agree with their um, significant other having that abortion. Not every man was in agreement. And sometimes I knew of situations where the woman went ahead and had an abortion. The man was devastated. Actually, Sister Lisa, I was praying outside of the place where you usually pray, June of this year. And I was with some other sisters that you would know, Bev and Edme, and a whole group of us. Yes. And I remember seeing a man, and he was seeing us, and he was passing by, but I was the particular one that he was talking to. And he said, you know what, Miss? 25 years ago, my girlfriend aborted the child that we conceived together. And I remember that to this day. And I remember there was some, this is what he told me, I remember this child to this day. He said, I found out it was a little boy. He said, and every year I grieve for the son that I could have had. And I remember there were two Christian men nearby, and I said, would you be willing? Because I had offered to pray for him. And he said, no, that's okay, that's okay. So I said, well, wait, 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 just wait a minute. Then I asked these two brothers next to me, I said, would you, I, I didn't really ask them, I just said, They'll pray for you. I put them on the spot. And as soon as they said yes. they'd be willing to pray, he let them pray uh, for him. And they stayed there for about 15 minutes ministering to that man on the street. But just to show you how abortion affects women, men, it affects grandparents, it affects siblings. I spoke yes. to a, a, a group that prays a lot. They have This was a Catholic group that has a lot of retreats for post-abortion, uh, and they said the the most horrific cries they heard came from the siblings that knew that they had a, a little brother or sister, but that mom, you know, chose not to have that baby. And the screams coming from those little children was horrific, some of the most heart-wrenching screams. So abortion affects the entire family because these are the yes. people that are now missing from those families. What would you say about fetal abnormality? Uh, somebody is, is given a uh, prognosis, oh, well, we think, well, you know what, I'm going to even answer that first, and I'd like you to chime in as well. Uh, I've heard so much coming from women that are pregnant and then, the geneticist or somebody else is telling them, oh, yes, we see that the heart is not fully developed. Uh, We can tell that this and this is going to happen, or your child is definitely going to be a Down syndrome baby or some kind of deformity. I'm thinking of several stories that I know personally. Now, the Bible does not tell us, again, to play God. So... We have no right to, when we hear this kind of prognosis, say, okay, well, you know what? Since it's going to be like this, I'll decide to go and take the life of my baby. 
that child deserves to live. But I can also tell you that I've heard of women that have had these horrific prognoses given to them about their baby growing in their womb, and on many occasions, the baby is born fine because they, they were looking to see, you know, what is going on inside right now, not giving the child a, a time to fully develop. So we can't even always go by what the doctors tell us. If I had my friend Myrna on the phone, she would be quick to tell you, she and I have experienced this time and time and time again. But what would you say about fetal abnormalities? Is that for me, Sister Pearl, or is that for, for myself? Yes, that's for you. That's for you. Okay, sure. Um, just and I just want to quickly go back to the, the conversation about um, – about rape and incest in terms of, I just Please. want to put it in perspective what the numbers are because I've been addressing this as you have been addressing it quite a bit. And especially when I'm down at Planned Parenthood and because you know what, Sister Pearl, the reality is, is that this is the number one narrative that's being played in our society today. It's always when you hear a woman justify abortion and why abortion has to remain legal Almost always, the very first reason that they'll give is, well, what about a woman that's being raped? But the reality of what those numbers look like are, are, are mind-blowing, considering it's the majority of the conversation. There's only about 1% of, of women that are looking to terminate pregnancies due to rape, Sister Pearl, 1%. It's actually so think about that. It's it's the number one conversation that we're having in this country as a reason why, and you're saying it's even less than 1%. I know that for issues of, um, actually, you're right. Actually, I'm looking at this, um, my notes again. It says 0. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. This is for the life of the mother being online. 0.118%. That's another major reason that we constantly hear. What about if the life of the mom is on the line? That only represents 0.118% of all abortions. And I, I, was, I was thinking that it was 1%. You were saying that it's even less than 1%. And so we've got to begin to um, expose these false narratives. You know, the enemy is a liar. The Bible makes it clear. And he is, and again, it's not that, that women are not being raped and are faced with abortion, but the, the primary reason why women are having abortions in this country, and, and I can't fully speak for around the world because I haven't studied stats, but I've studied enough statistics here in the United States to know that the number one reason that women are aborting is because they see that life as an inconvenience, because women are choosing to use abortion as a form of contraception. And that is where we have to keep bringing the conversation to. You know, the Bible says that we have to constantly expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And this is, this is again, a major way that the devil is playing on people's sympathies. He's playing on our ignorance because we're not really studying the facts. But this is the, these are the facts, Sister Pearl. The majority of women that are aborting are doing so because they're seeing it as contraception. And, again, just to speak to your question about um, babies that are born with abnormalities, again, my mom had me late in life, and so she was told by the doctors that I was the child that could have been born with Down syndrome. I'm completely healthy. And yet I can also tell you in my family that one of my sisters gave birth to a child with severe cerebral palsy. She's, she's only functioned as a, as, an, as, a, as a baby for her entire life. And yet she has been an absolute joy to my family, Sister Pearl. She's been a delight to my family. She's not been a burden. She's not been a hardship. She's been a joy to all of us. And 
again, at the end of the day, God is the author of life, Sister Pearl. He's the one, like you read from Psalm 139, that is, that's forming these babies in their mother's wombs. He is knitting them together. Obviously, right, we, we know we should pray, ask God to let these babies be completely healthy. But Sister Pearl, God is sovereign in all things. And he, and he doesn't make any mistakes. And he knows the life that he is knitting in that womb and the purpose and the calling upon that child's life. And we are not God. We are not God. God is God, and God is God alone. And we have, to, we have to constantly just realize that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We need to humble ourselves constantly and embrace every single life because every single life is beautiful. Every single life is made in the image of God, Sister Pearl, male and female, with birth defects, abnormalities, no abnormalities. Every single person is an image bearer of God. And they have that fundamental right to the life that God has given them. And it is not to be taken away by any person. And like you said, I know of many people, many times when I've been down at Planned Parenthood Manhattan, women have come and they've said that their doctors, they're there to look for an abortion because their doctor said that their babies are, are developing with abnormalities. And, and there's all this fear, you know, so much of abortion is driven by fear. There's so much fear involved, and, and the devil has used one, he's used this area alone to drive a lot of fear into the hearts of women. And then I do personally know of women that have gone for a second opinion, and the baby has been completely fine. But we live, this is the culture that we live in, Sister Pearl. We live, we live in a culture that, that promotes death. And tragically, you know, doctors no longer even, I'm told, have to ascribe to the Hippocratic Oath and do everything possible to save life. Many doctors now are groomed and trained in abortion, and so they now are being shaped by this culture to begin to participate in, in, in abortion and to see this as an, as an immediate accessible form of what they would call health care, but it is not health care. Pregnancy is not a sickness or a disease. It is a blessing from God. Exactly, and one of the, the, mis, one of the untruths that's being told to the population is that abortion is one of the healthiest surgical procedures that a woman can have and one of the safest. Of course, this is not factual. That is definitely not truthful. And I even was suggesting to Tammy, we were talking about it, I really believe that we should probably put together a class action to have them change that because it's just not, it's not fact. It's, it's not true. And the other thing I want to touch on is the mother's life, because sometimes they're saying, oh, well, we have to, have, we have to um, give this woman an abortion in, all, in, in order to save her life. And so what I've learned from the majority of ethical GYN and OBGYN obstetrics is that you never have to kill a baby to save a woman's life. Now, there is an occasion that you might have to remove a cancerous uterus or the removal of an ectopic pregnancy because the the woman's life is in danger. But you don't go in there and start ripping out limbs of the child and stabbing the child. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. You just remove that entire uterus. And so there's never in any case a reason to go in and barbarically kill a living baby to save the mother's life. If you, if you have to remove the baby, 
uh, from the mother's body, from her womb, and the baby doesn't make it, that's different. You're just removing the whole baby. You're not going in and vacuuming and burning. and It's completely different. So that's another uh, uh, line that is given to women that's just not true. It's not factual. So it's time that exactly. we speak the truth. And, you know, we speak the truth in love and we get away from all of this. I want to touch a little bit on a ministry that I'm involved in called Expect Hope. Because that's the only ministry that that is uh, around right now in New York City that actually houses and supports women who uh, the, the parents don't want to have anything to do with this pregnant woman now. Uh, that, which is their daughter, or the, the the father of the baby, he's not involved. He's not going to help the mother of the baby. He's not going to be taking care of his child. So now this woman is totally left on her own. She's even homeless if she insists on keeping um, going through the full uh, nine months gestation and, and having giving birth to the child. Uh, so there's this home called Expect Hope, and I want everybody to put this down, expecthope.org. I want you to go online, and I want you to see what Expect Hope is all about. I serve, I have the privilege of serving as one of the directors on the board for this ministry, and it's a t- tremendous ministry. Again, it's the only evangelical Christian ministry like this in the entire city. So the mission of Expect Hope is to provide a supportive residence for expectant women while they build self-sustainable lives founded on faith in Jesus Christ. And our vision of Expect Hope is to see mothers who choose life for their unborn children, raising them in the knowledge of God, living independently and established in the love and the power of Jesus Christ. So what we do is... Uh, a woman that does not have any help, she'll come to us. We will screen her. And if we feel that she's a good fit to be uh, invited into our home, this is not a shelter. It's an actual home. She is loved on. I mean, she just poured love on. She is taught the word of God. Uh, she is taught how to take care of her baby. She's taught how to take care of herself. A lot of them have all kind of traumas. Um, she is taught how to, uh, maybe if she's out of school, maybe she can go back to school. We'll help her. We'll take care of her while she's pregnant and going back to school. When the baby comes into our home and into our lives, we'll take care of the baby and allow her to go back to school, do whatever she has. We'll give her time to bond with her baby. But we will teach her how she can be a true mother to her child. And if for some reason that she really feels she cannot raise that child, we will still accept her, and then we will put that baby in a loving Christian home that will accept and love that baby. So there are alternatives. There, there are wonderful places for these babies to be taken care of with their moms. And like I said, the only Christian home uh, that that we know of in New York City uh, is expecthope.org. Now, we do have a lot of Catholic homes as well. There is a Good Counsel. There is Sisters of Life. And we thank God for what they're doing as well. But this this is a way that people can get involved. We also in Expect Hope, similar to Love Life, 
we have opportunities for Christians to become mentors. So you can have a Christian family um, apply, and if they're accepted, they can be a mentor to one of our young women that are growing up in our home and and learning how to be a good mother to their baby. Um, There's all kinds of volunteer opportunities. You just have to go online, expecthope.org. So I hear some clicking on the line. I don't know if if Montel is trying to tell me that Tammy is back. Yes, she's back on, Sister Pearl. Okay, so Tammy, take take about 10 minutes and share with us what's on your heart, whatever it is you'd like to finish. We give you an extra, you know, few minutes. So you got ten minutes to go ahead. Welcome back. Where did it put off? Where did it cut off when I was talking? Uh, you were talking about um, the different opportunities to um, pray outside the homes. That's what I remember. And you were talking about, um, I think you were talking about the different opportunities to pray outside the facilities. That's what I remember. If 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 Montel. Okay. Or, least remember something else, you can feel free to just chime in. Yes, okay. I remember that well, as well. Let's stop there. I don't want to repeat myself, so I'll just uh, kind of go over a question that I'm com- commonly asked is why this cause? Why should we be involved in this cause? Did I did I go over that yet? Um, you were just, well, there you were just so, about to go into that. Okay, so there's a lot of issues that we could tackle and ministries we could be involved with. So why this one? Why get involved with pro-life things? And my answer would be that this is a foundational issue. If we don't get it right in this area, all other areas are going to be harder to fight. Psalm 11.3 tells us that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we have undermined God's gift of life when he has said that we're knit together in the mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a unique plan for each one of us. But we've implied to the past few generations that life is not precious and valuable. And if it doesn't fit into the parents' plans, it can be discarded. That's why our younger people struggle with things like suicide, low self-esteem, drug abuse, and sexual immorality. And that's why they steal, kill, and destroy amongst each other. We have got to get it right in this area, or we're not going to get it right in any of the other areas. And I, I think that's just an imp- such such an important principle. We've taught our kids that um, not to respect life, that uh, they don't have a plan, that um, – Life isn't valuable, so we really need to rethink how we're, what we're, what image we're portraying to our children and the, the generations. And I think that everything we're seeing in the world going on today is a direct symptom of that, of the sin of abortion that we've accepted in our, our land. So I know that Sister Pearl and Sister Lisa and Montel have been giving you such um, – such passion and such information. So if you feel stirred, I'd say 40 Days for Life is a great place to start. If you don't know what to do, just go out to the sidewalk and pray for an hour. Talk to the people who are out there. See with your own eyes what's happening at the abortion mill, the brokenness and the hopelessness that that shows up out there. And God's going to stir you and he's going to direct you. And it may just be he has called you to pray, to be out there and pray. That's such an important ministry. But he may also uh, lead you on to other things like he has for me, Lisa, for Pearl. And if you still need healing from your abortion, 
Um, just know that you have a voice in this movement. We are um, in this battle in a society, in an abortion industry that is fighting for women's rights and um, saying that they're helping women. But we're the voice out there that's saying you're not helping women. You're destroying our future generations and you're crippling, hurting women. And so they need to hear that. They have no counter to that. That's truth. We're telling our own personal experience. You know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. So uh, you would need healing to do that, and I encourage you. Um, there are many resources out there. The one I went through was healinghearts.org. We have studies for men as well. So just check out um, that site, and you can check out your local pregnancy resource center. They probably have resources as well. So thank you, Sister Pearl. I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties, but um, hopefully I got out what the Lord wanted me to during this time together. Tremendous, Sister Tammy. Thank you so much. And again, I want to say that is healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, hearts, H-E-A-R-T-S dot org. For those of you that are in need of post-abortive healing, uh, and, and like Tammy said, you could be a woman or you can be a man, but you need additional healing. So many times people just say, okay, well, I know the Lord healed me, and they just keep going over that. But then we find out later on they didn't really get the deep inner healing that they really needed to fulfill their God-given destiny. It keeps on popping back mm-hmm. up. But you can get tremendous healing through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I want to bring mm-hmm. in Evangelist Montel and I want Montel, I want you and I to talk a little bit about adoption because both of us have adopted children. And and we're so blessed. <laughs> yes, we are. Beyond words. So, you know, thank God for adoption. And I also want to say just this quickly is that I want to put that out there. I know Lisa said it before. But we really want to say that we we need to all be thinking very seriously and praying, would the Lord have us adopt? I'm going to be very frank. Uh, Evangelist Montel knows that I I am very, very frank on this radio station and because she allows me to. If she didn't allow me to, then I wouldn't do it. But if we don't adopt, I'm, I'm going to be nice now. If we don't adopt, just think about the people that are going to adopt these babies. Okay, I'm talking to the people of God right now. If we do not adopt these children, there are other people of different minds, of different mentalities, of different appetites, of different agendas, of different motives that would love to adopt the children. So it is, it is, it is so godly that God's people adopt these children, whether they be little or whether they be bigger. I adopted mine as a baby. I mean, she wasn't legally adopted as a baby yet, but I had her since she was three months old, and that was just God's gift to me. I was trying to take care of her, and in the meantime, God was taking care of me. And I know that, Sister Montel, you want to give a little bit of your story just as much as you feel free and and, and just encourage the people to also consider adoption too, please. Montel. 
Okay. I think I lost Evasha Montel for me. Can you hear me, Sister Pearl? No, I did. Now I hear you. Now I hear you. I'm sorry. My husband had to bring me up. Plugged in my headset, so we had to get him and take him out the room. I apologize. He was wanting me. No problem. That's what it was. My baby. That's what I Yes. Well, Sister Pearl knows um, how dear Noah is to my heart. I had prayed for over 13 years for my husband and I to have a child together. And started putting it in a different perspective on my heart. And I started praying one day that there's a lot of unwanted children, unborn children out there that are going to be aborted. Our mom, what to do? And I was praying in my backyard to God. I said, Father God, you could put it on someone's heart that has an unexpected unwanted pregnancy to let us take that little child into our home and place that baby in into our lives. And it wasn't, I think, maybe two weeks, I got a phone call. Go to the hospital, a young lady taught in Children's Church, been with her most of her life, called me to the hospital to let me know she had a blood clot in her lung, possibly that could go to her heart, and that she found out she is pregnant. She was scared. She felt alone. Um, she didn't have the best relationship with her mother, and she was always close to me. And she said that God had put it on her heart. What she felt like was basically to be a surrogate for my husband and I, like she was actually carrying our baby and we prayed about it and my husband and I said yes and we were blessed to be there the whole entire pregnancy the gender reveal they know it took his first breath into this world and it is definitely a journey sister pearl late to that um, it can be time consuming it can be stressful at times pray our way through it and through it all God at every one of our needs we just walk by faith, not by sight, knowing that God makes the way, that he placed Noah in our life for a purpose. I pray over Noah every day for God's perfect plan to unfold in his life. And I get emotional when I talk about because when I see those beautiful blue eyes and that smiling face, I think about what the world would have been like without our sweet Noah. I couldn't even imagine my life without him. And I hope to one day have a little Hannah, Sister Pearl. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I thank God for my Deborah. God blessed me with Deborah. I was able to give her both of her names, her English names, her Chinese names, and uh, I just thank God uh, for him blessing me. She's a living miracle because the night before the surgery that she had, an eight-hour heart surgery here in the United States, I was told that the surgery she was about to get had the highest rate of child fatality of all wow. the, the surgeries that they get. But mm-hmm. I said, you know what? The Lord that I served that helped me to bring her here, which was another miracle. We don't have time for that on tonight's program. The God that brought us here, I believe he would not fail us. He would, he, he allowed her to come here to, because he was going to do a miracle for her. And he exactly did. I was told that she might have to be on heart medication for the rest of her life. She was only on heart medication for 14 months. So our God is great. Our God is mighty. Our God is awesome. If you've seen, if you see my daughter, if some of you have been with me on Facebook, you see who she is. She's beautiful on the outside. She's beautiful on the inside. She loves the Lord. Uh, And she loves children, by the way. So 
God is good. Uh, please, Amen. Christian families, pray and think about um, adopt. Think about it. Pray about it. Let the Lord lead you and let the Lord guide you. And even if you have your own biological children, I am so blessed when I see a lot of these younger families. They have their biological children and they're already planning and, and asking God for opportunities to adopt because they want to be God's hands extended, reaching out to so many of these children, especially understanding the environment that is just waiting to, to take advantage in an in a adverse way of children that don't have loving parents and don't have a loving home. We've got only 12 minutes left to our program, and I really want to give each of my special guests two minutes to say anything that's on your heart, and then we're going to end our program in prayer. So, Sister Tammy, two minutes, whatever is on your heart, if you want to talk to somebody through the radio, whatever, let God lead you. And then Sister Lisa and myself, Sister Montel, and we're going to close out in prayer. Amen. All right. Well, I think what's on my heart is um, we went through many scriptures about uh, what the word says, how God feels about abortion, and how God feels about it is how we should feel about it. And um, he is setting his face. He's starting to set his face against America. And, you know, we keep praying God bless America, and we want his richness and his his fullness to pour out on us, but he cannot. He's a just God. He's loving, but he's also just, and he cannot keep pouring out blessings on us if we keep sacrificing our children. And we have changed the names of the altars we sacrificed them on, but it's still convenience and selfishness and our future careers, etc. Uh, we are still sacrificing children, and we need to repent. And as the Church of Christ, we need to make this known and aware and speak the truth that we cannot continue on like this. And we have just a small window of opportunity before God's just going to pull his grace away. We'll always have it as individual believers, but he's going to bring judgment to our nation if we don't fix this problem of abortion and fix it soon so that's the thought i'd like to leave y'all with is how we can best reach out to our church community and encourage them not to turn a blind eye to this amen that's so rich that's so true sister lisa sure um i wanted to just share this scripture really quickly just to put the button on your conversation about adoption and that's psalm 68 verses 5 through 6 which says Father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God. In his holy dwelling, God sets the lonely in families. And who is more lonely than, than that child in the foster care system or just that baby that's been rejected and battling all kinds of insecurities? Sometimes, they, of course, they even feel the trauma in the womb. And so who better but the people of God? Again, those of us who have now been adopted, we were once outside God's family, and he has adopted us by faith in Jesus Christ to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we in return should do the same for those, for the least of these. And then I totally agree with my sister Tammy. You know, we do feel um, in the ministry of Life Life that we are a ministry that's, that's called to provoke the body of Christ to prayer, um, but specifically prayer for repentance. You know, the, the scourge of abortion has happened on our watch. 
We have the most access to the gospel. We have the most access to Bibles, the most access to sermons, all kinds of forms. And yet we have been silent on this issue. We have literally watched 62 million babies be surgically aborted. I think the number is something like 250 million killed by chemical abortion, and we have been silent. And the Bible makes it clear. Biblical love has been clearly defined for us. It's a willful choice to put the needs of others ahead of our own, at our own expense. Love is not just talk. Love is action. Jesus said, this is how we know what love is. Rather, the Apostle John said this about Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It is time that we put feet to our faith. It is time that we not only care about our born neighbor, like we hear in the midst of this global pandemic, do everything possible for our born neighbor, wear a mask, practice social distancing, use hand sanitizer. And I say, yes, let's do those things. But then God is also calling us to love our unborn neighbor. And that means we must speak up. We must get involved. There's so many different ways God will lead us as we just seek his face to get involved in the fight for the preborn and for all those that are enslaved by the atrocity of abortion. Amen. Evangelist Montel, can you please share uh, before we start praying too, maybe just two minutes. We have them yes, have five my- minutes and we're going to close out. Yes. Mine is simple. It's something God gave me in on the episode info. And that is a person has no voice is defenseless. A person not protest is powerless. The onborn child has neither. God desires us, his people, to follow his lead, defending the weak and the fatherless. It is time we stand, as my sisters were saying, be a voice in our community. Be a voice in the churches. Be a light in the darkness. Going forth not in condemnation, but with the love of Jesus, receiving people. And the work that you ladies are doing inspires me so much. And I've been seeking God to lead me to do more because I have such a burden on my heart for these issues. And I I can learn from you ladies and be mentored. So I thank God for that. I believe this was a divine connection because he knows my heart for these matters. So I just encourage you just to know you're loved. And if you have questions, reach out to these ladies or they can lead you to programs to help you when you're facing unwanted pregnancy or if you've been through an abortion and you feel lost and bound, these ladies will be great to reach out to and love and you won't be rejected. So reach out and as children of God, be a voice. I just encourage people, be a voice and pray without ceasing. God bless you. Thank you so much, Evangelist, for giving us this opportunity that we could be on this program that the Lord has anointed you to have, Reaching Out Radio. And thank you that he inspired you to even have this as a discussion tonight. Thank you especially to my special guest, um, Sister Lisa Richardson. Uh, Your last name is Washington? That's your married name? Correct. My married name. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, Uh, God bless you. What a powerful uh, time of instruction and sharing you gave. And so with the same thing with Sister Tammy O'Connor, we thank you so much for uh, just being with us tonight and uh, sharing your heart, sharing the truth, giving us some some real clarity, both of you ladies, Lisa and Tammy. And again, I want to say that 
the websites that they're talking about is lovelife, L-O-V-E-L-I-F-E dot org. And then 40 Days for Life is the number 4040-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-L-I-F-E dot, are we org or dot com? I think we're dot com. Com. Tammy. Yeah, we're dot com. It's dot com. And then expect, mm-hmm. yeah, and then expect hope, E-X-P-E-C-T-H-O-P-E dot org. That's, uh, you can learn about our ministry that we're taking care of the mamas that are unsupported uh, in New York City. And who knows, maybe the Lord might put something on your heart that you might need a home where you are as well. Let's just, I just want to, before we pray, we only have like about three minutes, but I just want to share something. Our whole world, our whole nation is in a place that we've never, ever been in the history before where we're wearing masks, where we're shutting down, sheltering in, quarantine, stay back, shutting down jobs, shutting down schools, and just little by little beginning to open. I believe we have not done right before a holy God. Okay? And there, when, when, when we do wrong actions, there are consequences. So I'm just putting that out there. When we, when we grieve the heart of God, we stay, you know, disobedient, obstinate, don't care how God feels. We're going to take. New York State was the capital and is the capital of abortion. So I leave it with you. We're the capital of abortion. We were the epicenter of COVID-19. Let's start connecting the dots, people. We need to repent. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just cry out to you tonight. Father. And I ask you, Lord God, to forgive all of us. Forgive us, Lord God. Forgive us as a nation. Forgive us as a church. Forgive us yes. individually for anything that we've done yes. to grieve your Holy Spirit, oh God. Yes. Cause you yes. to turn from us, Lord God because of the sin and the wickedness and the evil that we have allowed to go unchecked in our land. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a merciful God, a God that loves to forgive your people when we cry out to you in genuine repentance. And so, Father God, in genuine repentance tonight, we are sorry we're grieving your Holy Spirit, O oh God, and we're sorry yes, for this sin of abortion, for taking of innocent human life, and we do worse with it than we would do to a hardened criminal. There is no anesthesia. There is no nothing to prevent that child from re- receiving the most horrific and traumatic of deaths inside what should be the safest place for that baby to be inside of their mother's womb. God, we ask you to forgive us as a church. We ask you to forgive us as a nation. We ask you to forgive us as a people, oh God. Turn our hearts back to you and help us now that we've learned so many things from these precious women of God, ways that we can be proactive and and actually do something 
And like our sister Tammy said, the first thing we should be doing is praying. And so we want to pray, and then we want to act. Faith without works is dead. So we want to pray, and then we want to act. We want to go and do those things that you put it in our hearts to do. Bless our sister Montel. Bless our sister Lisa, our sister Tammy. Bless each and every person that would listen to this program whenever, whether it was live or on demand. Touch hearts. Change hearts. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you in Reaching Out Radio. Bye-bye for now. I'm the news that nobody expected I was never a part of your plans I'm the reason why life as you know it feels like It's slipping through your trembling hands And the doctors say I'm just an option A mistake you can make disappear I may not have a voice but I'm more than a choice I'm as real as the heartbeat you hear so don't close the book on me yet I still got a long way to go empty pages to fill and the best part is still down the road I am a story untold I am God's miracle in the making proof that all things can work for the good I am fingers and toes and heaven already knows the name you'll pick out for me already belongs to me So don't close the book on me yet Oh, I still got a long way to go Empty pages to fill And the best part is still down the road Oh, I am a story
Thank you so much for listening to Reaching Out Radio International, where we are reaching out in love and unity in one mind and one accord as a body of Christ, cheering for Jesus' love and the gospel into the world. God bless you all. May you have a blessed night and a blessed week ahead. And remember, God loves you. You were created for a purpose and a plan. Don't back down when God is backing you up.